you were to take this past week and write it all out on a calendar, all the hours and how you spent them, all the time devoted to rest or work, to, to this task or that opportunity, imagine what it would look like. Now, hopefully there would be sufficient time for sleeping, balanced by an appropriate effort at work or school. Maybe you'd have spent lots of time with friends and family, or maybe spent lots of time on your own. Maybe you engaged in deep conversation or lent a listening ear. Maybe did lots of thinking or enjoyed lots of daydreaming. Perhaps you found the week to be all too short. And perhaps all too long if something like a vacation is coming up. Now look at that whole week from one more perspective. The perspective of service. Specifically serving Jesus. What areas of your life in that week were carved out for that? What time was dedicated to serving him? What skills and abilities and blessings, resources, did you employ in the interest of Jesus, his purposes, and his kingdom? The answer may not be quite as simple as you're thinking, but no matter how you slice it, the question is critical because during this time in between Jesus' first and second comings, our Savior has called us to work, to serve, to use what he's given us in passionate service to him. Now on Ascension on Air, this is the time for passion in service to the Master. Brothers and sisters, uh, think about your to-do list for a moment. It d- doesn't have to be an actual list. It could be an, a list that you keep. It could be a series of uh, sticky notes that adorn your desk. Anyone do that one? used to do that all the time. Yeah, it's right. a few of us. This is like the uh, walk of shame for to-do lists. Um, it could be something in your, in your head that you keep. It could be emails that you keep open. I do, I do that one too to remind me of what... Eric, thank you. Um, it could be texts that you get, whatever. You think of your to-do list. We're going into too much detail now. Think of your to-do list. What tends to fall to the bottom of that list? Or really, really more to the point, more to the point, this question. Why do some things tend to fall to the bottom of your to-do list? I mean, so, sometimes things don't get done. Sometimes we delay simply because we can't, we can't finish it. We don't have the resources or, or whatever we might need. We might not have enough painters, kids, to help paint the room. Now you're not paying attention? Okay, right? You might not have the paint that you need, whatever it is. You might not be able to finish the, the job that you have because you need something else. Sometimes we can't do something because, or we can't, we don't. We delay because we just forget. Just, we just plain forget. Um, I've had on my I had on my honey-do list at home for quite some time the request to fix the cupboard. And while I very much paid attention and valued and listened to my dear wife as she asked me to fix said cupboard, it just completely slipped my mind for quite a while until until I opened the cupboard. (laughs) So... So I had to use the cupboard. So in retrospect, that might be yet another reason we fail to do things because things that don't affect us uh, directly tend to go to the you know, bottom of the list and don't get as much attention. Of course, there are many other reasons and there is one kind of, um, I don't know, we don't have to call it an elephant in the room one, but maybe 
it's, it's one that maybe we all think of it right away. Why don't certain things get done? Why ta some tasks are never finished or only get done poorly? And it's because those are the tasks that we don't want to do, right? We don't want to do those things. Our heart is not in them. We might know that we have to do them. We might think that we should do them, but want to and desire and actually carry it out, that's a whole nother thing. There are things in life in which our passion is lacking, our zeal is absent, and they might never ever get done, and it makes the point that things that we want to finish, things that we don't want to finish, tend to be uh, determination of, of what we actually accomplish in this life. Now, today isn't about managing your to-do lists. It's not about being more efficient. Um, I, you didn't, certainly didn't come here for tips and techniques on productivity, and I certainly am not qualified to give them. But we do want to talk about that last idea today for a little bit, that idea of passion, the things that we are passionate and zealous about as Christians. Because this time in between that we've been focusing on, between Christ's first coming and his return on Judgment Day, this is a time. You might even say this is the time for passion. Passion. Our gospel today, Matthew 25, picks up right after our gospel from last week. Last week's was about the, uh, the virgins who were waiting for the, the bridegroom to come, and it was the parable about, that Jesus used to teach about being prepared for his return, because we don't know when it's going to happen. Jesus is continuing the same theme today, using another parable to talk about the time in between here. And um, this time, it's a parable about three servants and a master. And keep in mind, a parable is this idea of, of a story that has a greater meaning in Scripture. It always has a spiritual meaning, a greater spiritual meaning. And um, so in this parable, the three servants represent servants like you and me, people who have been entrusted with the master's uh, treasures and, and gifts. And the master, of course, is supposed to be Jesus. Which means that what Jesus is teaching us in this parable is something about our service. He's making a point about our service as Christians in this life and in this time in between. What point... Well, to get there, we can start at the end a little bit. So it, quite honestly, I think you almost have to start at the end. There's this like, the time you talk about an elephant in the room, at the very end, the way Jesus ends this parable, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I mean, if this were any other servant-master relationship that we hear about on, on, on earth, you might hear about the servant being fired, sent home, let go, expelled from the uh, household that he was in, that's normal. You don't do your job. Typically, you don't get to keep your job. Typically. But Jesus ends the parable with these words about the servant. Throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay. Clearly, this parable is about more than just a poorly performing servant. And that really comes out a little bit late, uh, earlier in the interaction between this master and this third servant. The first two servants, when the master comes back, the first two servants are like, Master, look, here's what I earned. Uh, I was faithful. Here's what I earned with what you gave me. The third servant starts by accusing the master of being hard and cruel and essentially, I mean, you, you could probably fill in the blank of what he doesn't use, 
basically accusing him of being unfair. Saying, um, you, you, you gather where you didn't sow and, and, and you're like an overlord, an oppressive overlord who's just exacting all of this work from his underlings to suit his own needs. And maybe at first, maybe at first, there's part of us that kind of is like, well, maybe he has a point there. I mean, like, this, this master comes back and wants, you know, he wants what he gave and everything that they earned. But don't be deceived by the third, third servant. He's um, he making excuses. And he is trying to justify his own failure by, by demonizing the master. And that comes out as the master confronts the servant with his own words. And the point is this. The servant says, I was afraid, therefore I went and hid this, you know, your, your talent or your bag of gold as it is in the new NIV. I hid it in the ground. And the master says, listen, if you were really afraid, if you really thought that I was this harsh and unfair person, then you would have in the very least been motivated to take that bag of gold to the bankers and get some interest on it. It would have been the easiest thing to do in the world, but you didn't do that. Because it wasn't really that. It's not that you were afraid and you thought it was a hard, it's because of something wrong with your heart. The problem was with this servant's heart. He didn't want to be a servant. He didn't want to serve. He didn't care about the master's goals, the master's purposes. He certainly didn't love his master. He was passionate. Passionately disengaged with the master's work, passionately opposed to it. So basically, this parable is about two kinds of people in the end. On the one hand, those who love the master and faithfully serve. Those who love Christ and faithfully serve. On the other hand, those who spurn the master, don't care about the master, spurn his invitation to service and are faithless. So that begs the question, which group are we in? What kind of people are we? Where do we see ourselves in this story? But before we answer that question, we need to make sure we understand the nature of it. Um, We are not asking today in our meditation very narrowly. We're not asking this narrow question of what does my service to Christ look like narrowly? Narrowly, I can say that. Meaning, we're not saying what, what a lot of people would look, like, look at and say, this is spiritual religious service. Things that are connected with the church, uh, participation in our ministry together, our shared life together here at Ascension, that's very spiritual. That's very religious. And it's part of our service to Christ, absolutely. In fact, our ministry plan talks about sharing in the ministry here. It's in a critical part of what we do. But that is not the limit to what our service to Christ is. Our service to Christ is far and much wider than just that narrow slice. So so the question we want to ask today is this. Not just how is my service here at Ascension. How do I as a Christian use everything that God has given me? all of the gifts and abilities and time and opportunities, everything that God has given me to serve and honor Jesus in the interests of his kingdom, his purposes, his goals. That's a question that is much wider 
than just what does my volunteerism look like at my church. And what that tends to do is it tends to unmask a lot of areas in life where our service to Christ looks a lot more like servant number three than we would care to admit. Do you want to see how? Neither do I. I, it, but we have to. So we're just going to look at it. Okay, so this, imagine this past week for a minute. This past week, maybe you were gathered here at Ascension on Sunday. Maybe you were here for Vine and Branches, were at worship, for some fellowship time afterward. And as you reflect on those hours, they shine brightly in your mind as examples of good, good use of your gift, of your time, of your abilities, even your, your treasures as you brought your offerings. But Christ's gifts to you and Christ's call to service overflow far beyond just those few hours on Sunday morning. Another way of putting it, Jesus is just as interested in your Sunday afternoon as he is in your Sunday morning, in your Sunday evening as he was in your Sunday afternoon, and on and on and on. Jesus is interested in your sleep time the way you care for yourself and the rest you give. He's interested in your waking time, uh, your, your daily commute into work. He's interested in your time at work and your time at school, how you're making use of the opportunities you have, the gifts that God's given you, the skills and abilities that he's given uniquely you and the situations that he's placed you in. He's interested in, in your um, dinners at night that you spend with family the relaxation maybe that you have afterward. Jesus is interested in the sports practices. He's interested in the social gatherings. He's interested in your in-person discussions and he's even interested in your shares and posts and reels and tweets and everything else. Jesus is interested in all of your life, every bit of it, because as the master, he gives to you. He gives to you in every moment and calls you to use what he has given wherever you are in service to him. And when we look at service that way, when we remember the extent of the service that Christ calls us to, how everything that we are and have belongs to him. And it's been entrusted to us to serve his purposes. Well then, then maybe we start hearing that third servant and his voice in our head, his complaining and his uh, excuses and his delays. Maybe then his words are at times muttered under our breath or spoken on our lips. Maybe there are times in our life, in all the hours of our life, and we look out at them, there's a lot of hours, and, and we find where our heart looks a whole lot more like that third servant than we would care to admit. A heart that is passionate about not serving. Passionately disengaged. Passionate about whatever our own desires happen to be. The point is this. If we look at our service to Christ and the first thing we ever think of <laughs> is that I'm in great shape. We're probably not looking at service to Christ as he truly calls it to be because there is a third servant within all of us. And Jesus wants you to recognize that and to recognize when you see in your life 
when you see the indecision or the, the, uh, the re- maybe not even outright rejection. Maybe when you see in your life the, the desire to do something else than to serve your Lord, when you see the delays and you see the excuses and you see um, all of the ways in which you would deprioritize the things of God, the things of Christ, in place of whatever it is that you have on, on your heart, Jesus would have you recognize that that is consistent with the heart of that third servant who ends up in outer darkness. A servant whose heart is bent inward on itself, a, a servant whose heart denies the master, wants nothing to do with the master, is passionately disengaged from the master's work. And ultimately a servant who fails to see the master for who he is, for who he truly is. A heart that fails to see the master as you see him, as I know you see him, as those first two servants saw him. Because those first two servants saw that master very differently, didn't they? I mean, isn't that obvious? by the way in which they wholeheartedly jumped into the service that they had been given. They gave all of themselves to completing what the Lord, their master, had requested. What was their secret sauce? I mean, what, what led them to have that kind of an attitude toward the service that this master gave? Well, just, just, just listen to the master. Listen to what the master says and does when he talks to those servants. To the first two servants, the master says, first, well done, good and faithful servant. So first, there's sincere praise from the master to the servants just for doing their job. Sincere praise just for being faithful to what he had asked. Secondly, he goes on and says, you've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. So there is this, the master happily entrusting to the servants even more of his property. He wants to honor them with And then comes the big one. And then he says, come and share in your master's happiness. In other words, this master was no hard and cruel overlord like that third servant wanted to paint him to be. He was exactly the opposite. Because this master loved his servants, he praised them for the faithfulness that they showed in the little management that they had done. Because the, the, because the master was generous in his heart and loved his servants, he could not wait to give them more, to honor them more, and to give more of his wealth for them to both, to both uh, enjoy and to manage. And then the big one, because this master was entirely unselfish, he says to his servants, Come and enjoy my happiness with me. He says to these servants who have accomplished his goals to come and enjoy all of the blessedness and happiness and joy that the master himself felt because of that. He was elevating his servants to more than even just friends, to family, to sons. Friends, that is the master we serve, the master who shares his happiness with us. And today, if we walk away with nothing else from our, our, our meditation today, if we walk away with this, that we see service to Christ 
as it truly is, not as that third servant would paint it, but as it truly is, then we have accomplished something today. Understand what service to Christ is really like. Jesus served us, right? Jesus served us to make us his own. Amen? Jesus, in making us his own, gave us a heart just like his own, attuned to his goals and desires. Amen? In giving us a heart just like his own, Jesus now invites us not just to, to work, but to share in his passionate work of saving and redeeming and serving for the advancement of his kingdom. Join him in his happiness, Jesus says. That's the master we have. That's the master we serve. And so today, as we close, I want to tie this into a little bow for you. Three points to summarize where we've been and to kind of give you something to chew on as you go home then. Three points about this master who gives to us abilities so that we can share in his joy as we use them. First point. Service in Christ's church, service to Christ is first and foremost a matter of heart. That is something we talked about and found, found out earlier, right? When we compared the heart of that third servant to the heart of the first two. The third servant wanted nothing to do with the master. The, the first two loved the master and were attuned to what he wanted. But we see that even more. We see how this is a heart matter even more and more importantly when we look at Christ. Because just like we heard in the kids' message, it's his passion for us that shapes a passionate heart within us to serve. It's his love for us that gives birth to that love within us. His passion shapes our passion. It's a matter of the heart, and it starts with Christ. Second point. Your service to Christ is something that extends throughout every aspect of your life. A lot of times, and this is natural, but a lot of times we tend to limit our ideas of service to Christ to that which is very directly related to maybe the ministry of the church that we're part of um, or something overtly even spiritual, and those are critically important, of course, but Christ's gifts to you overflow in every aspect of your life, every hour of your week, and so does his call to serve. In fact, I'll go so far as to say, that some of the most important service to Christ you will ever do is outside of here. With your families. At your workplace. Among your friends. Jesus gives all of us unique abilities, gifts, opportunities in whatever settings we have. And in those, he calls each of us uniquely to serve him in ways that no one else can. Talk about having a bag of gold for you to serve with. I can't help here but think about my mom because she served the Lord in many ways during her life. She was in hospital systems and, and so on and so forth. Um, but her obituary said and noted and pointed out what we, her family, experienced firsthand. That her greatest service 
was in the home. Her greatest work was with her family, to us and to Christ. See your life of service broadly, friends, and hear Christ's call to service in every hour of your life. Final point. This time in between really is a time for passion. Um, Those two servants who worked so hard, they did that in part just because of what we talked about before, because they shared the joy of the master in carrying out that work. But they also were rewarded and, um, and blessed with a greater joy when the master returned. They had joy in the doing and greater joy when the master returned. The same thing is true for you and me. Jesus calls us right now to service in his kingdom, a joyful service with hearts that are aligned to his hearts, his redeeming heart, his saving heart, his heart that reaches out to, to the lost and reaches out to you and me. And when the last day comes, and when Jesus returns, then we're going to see more clearly how our service to Christ was service in his kingdom and for his purposes, whether it was changing a diaper or changing a tire or changing someone's heart with the gospel of Christ. All of it, the Lord Jesus uses to accomplish his saving, redeeming, and kingdom purposes. So now is what I meant. Now is a time for passionate service to Christ, friends, in this time in between. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Ascension. If you'd like to talk with Pastor Ben or just learn more about our ministry, check out our website at ascensionharrisburg.com.